G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. The SA scene. Taking you inside the Festival State's tennis community. Thanks to the firstserve.com.au. Your home of tennis. Welcome to edition two of the SA Scene. I'm Bevan Jones, where each month I take you inside the South Australian tennis community. In our second edition, we catch up with Ashwin VJ Aragarvan, whose playing coaching journey has led him to South Australia. Pauline Fielden from the East Torrens Kensington Gardens Tennis Club, who was awarded a Medal of the Order of Australia in a recent Queen's Birthday Honours, and legendary coach Peter Smith chats about his great tennis journey, most known for laying the foundations to Leighton Hewitt's amazing career. Ashwin Vijay Aragarvan is the current performance coach at Tea Tree Gully Tennis Club in Banksia Park here in Adelaide. A playing career also that is still going, which has included representing his country of birth, India, in Davis Cup, transitioning into coaching. How did you end up in Adelaide? And yeah, tell us about your, your journey. So first and foremost, I got to Australia. I mean, that was in Melbourne to start, do my sports management. So that's how I that's how I put my foot into Australia because basically I wanted to get my masters in and sports was always in you know, a part of my life. So I just thought, you know, if I'm going to study, I'll probably do something in that field. Through that, I started doing some part time coaching in Melbourne. You know, so that was like probably the first. I mean, I did some coaching, of course, in the other countries, but when I came here, I just started off as a part time coach and slowly, you know, thought let's just build it up. I wasn't sure what jobs I'm going to get as a sports management major. And then being an international permanent residency and all that came into account. So it kind of got a little difficult. But one good thing was I still was connected with tennis and coaching got a little more fun for me. So I thought, you know what, I'll just continue doing this, you know, because I'm making a decent amount of money and I enjoy it. And why not? So that was my journey in Australia with coaching. Then, as you asked how I got into Adelaide, was another interesting story because when the first thing as internationals, when we come into a country, we think like, how are we going to make this long term? How are we going to stay here longer after studying? That's everywhere. So funnily, tennis coach came into the list of permanent residency for us. So which was a blessing in disguise for me. And since I'd already done a couple of years in Melbourne, so that kind of added up to my points. But there was one small hitch where that I needed to do my coaching in South Australia to officially I think I needed to spend one year where I need to do a certain amount of hours, which would help me get my residency, which I'm still waiting for, by the way. So that's <laughs> how, you know, I put my foot in Adelaide and worked really well because my partner was here as well. So it just like became perfect for me. And here you are. And I'm in Adelaide now starting from 2019. Now it's 2022. Oh, beautiful. Love it. And I'm, I'm hoping it's going to be longer and longer. In terms of growing up, when did you first start playing tennis and when did you get that passion for tennis? So as you know, I grew up in India, of course, and crickets are predominant sport. I really thought I would probably be a cricketer because that's I always, you know, watch cricket. You know, I, was, I still watch, enjoy cricket more than tennis. I shouldn't be saying it, but I have to be honest. <laughs> but so until age 11, I was pretty much playing cricket, going for cr- uh, cricket coaching, etc. But my brother used to play tennis as well. And he used to be pretty good and talented. So that's when my mom took me to tennis one day because, you know, it would be the same place for both of us with the Indian traffic and everything. So, you know, no, that's the first day. I think I remember that tennis academy was called Sinet Tennis Academy in India. That's when I started my first tennis session. The first day I held it and I've not left it since then. I mentioned earlier, Davis Cup tennis for India. 
What a thrill yes. that must have been to represent your country. And tell us about, you know, who you got to play against, um, some of the famous players that you got to play against. Oh, yeah, definitely. As you as you speak, you know, that, that's an amazing experience. As when we get into the professional circuit, you know, the first thing for us is to play for the country. And India being with so many players right now playing tennis, making into that top five is always a challenge. And that was probably one of those lucky years where I made it to the reserve team, but I was just missing out by one spot. And then that's when... I got bumped up one spot because of my ranking because I did well in one of the previous tournaments and they just pushed me up into the team. And that was like the first time we had to play against South Korea. Probably not the strongest that time, but I got an opportunity to play with Leander Pace on the team who I grew up watching. Because I still remember there was a tennis clinic when he came to Qatar because that's where I was born. I think I was, I think, six years. And that's probably, that was just a leisure tennis something, which I was just hitting balls over the fence everywhere. I had no clue what I was doing because he had come down there. And I still remember he was playing with my brother and I was watching him. And then probably 15 years later, I'm on the same team as him. And that's pretty, pretty, it's pretty stoked by it. And I, I still can never forget that experience for me because we still practice playing doubles with him, the Davis Cup tie and everything. It was great to see how, how much passion he had at the age of 40 or 39 that time. And we had a lot to learn from him. We got treated like kings for those few days you know, and people running around and asking for autographs and stuff. And, and they've not even seen you before. <laughs> Just They've seen you playing futures and then they're like, okay, you're a big deal for this week because you're playing for us. We're trying to win, win this tie. And I think we kind of fell short by... We lost, I think, 3-2 or something. But I got to play my singles, which I won to the reverse singles. And who'd you get to play against? I played a guy who was, uh, I think, Nam Ji Sung. That's what his name was, I think. So I think that was a reverse singles, which I really wish we could get to play that five set, which I didn't, which was a best of three setter because we had lost the tie by then. And going forward... You know, in terms of from a tennis perspective, you're actually still going pretty well from playing tennis in South Australia. Now, I'll just re- reel off some of these stats. So, finalist of a recent UTR Pro, you were the pennant mm-hmm. player of the year. You've won most of the South Australian tournaments that you've played in. So, you're doing pretty well. You're cleaning up at the moment still, Ashwin. I'll be very honest with you. I enjoy playing it more than what I what I was when I was 24. I'm turning 34 on Wednesday. I actually have to say I really enjoy playing it because my body's in good good state right now. So I hope it just continues. You never know what's going to happen down the line where I'm going to hurt something or the other, but I just want to keep playing until I do that. <laughs> and, and you mentioned before, I want to get sort of get back to your Indian background. And obviously we know that cricket is such a big part of, of the country of India and I find it so fascinating I'd love to hear more about your story and, and did you sort of play cricket growing up? I played a lot for the school and I played for a brief state team where I think the under 12 state team which I mean I was like 10, 10 and a half because I was just a reserve or something but I used to bowl a lot for that team and it was, I really enjoyed it then because I remember all these guys who play, were playing IPL right now they were part of that team as well I can't remember the names but some of them are playing that state cricket a lot so I was pretty reasonably full on into it thinking that I would be one of those new Virat Kohli's or you know the Steve Smith who are right now but well that didn't happen well I think you made a pretty good choice with that with playing tennis anyway probably definitely <laughs> I think now, when I look back right now I think that was probably a very good decision to go to that tennis court at 11 when I was 11 years old and was there someone that you looked up to whether it be someone from India or someone around the world that you looked up to when you were playing tennis at a young age I mean I mean I really as I said Leander Pace was one person I looked up to but mainly the one was dad was also a very professional basketball player so you know we had sports at home he was one of my role models in the sport area so definitely looked up to him when I really started watching tennis a little more and you know following the sport I think I was 
maybe 14 or 15, that's when I really got my head into it because that's when I started playing a little more tennis and got into the ITF junior circuit, you know. So but I think Federer's and Hewitt was someone I really looked up to as well because he was a player who we used to grind a lot, you know. So yeah. that was one of those players who, you know, I enjoyed watching at that time because he was one of my, him and Roddick. Roddick was one guy who used to wax us all the time. But Hewitt was one player who used to make those backhand cross-court rallies and rallies. My coach always used to tell me, watch Hewitt, you need to be like him. That's how you sort of modeled your game on, someone like I did look up to him a lot for the grinding area, I would say. And now you're you're heavily involved with with coaching, as I mentioned, and yeah, and you're yeah. coaching a, a mutual friend of ours, Elliot, his son Orlando. Mm-hmm. Tell us about your enjoyment of, of coaching and and who are some of the kids that you're coaching at the moment that we can watch out for in the future. I really enjoy it. I'll be very honest. What I think I missed out as a player, you know, I feel I'm like fulfilling it with these kids a lot. It actually also helped my game a lot. If you can put it that way. As youngsters, we don't see so many things. We probably don't understand it when a coach or some adult is telling. You, but when I'm doing it right now, I kind of look back at those things and be like, hey, this is what they were meaning. So this is probably, this is how difficult I was with my coaches. So the players right now, as you mentioned, Elliot San Orlando is one of the kids who I've been working with for a long time. Jo- there's Joseph Knack, another, another talented kid. They're pretty much the same age group in the 12s. And now I think they're getting into the 14s. There's Billy Williams. There's another kid who won the nationals in the under 14 doubles and made the semifinals. And there are the, there are a few girls like Sasha Valentino who are coming up. Rehan, new kid, I just remember that one, who's all one of the best under 10 players we have in the state right now is it sort of something that you're doing at the moment full-time as well or have you got another occupation outside of tennis tennis coaching is pretty much my full-time right now yeah. and apart from that i do run a sports consultancy where i help kids go to the states for the scholarship and all that which i've been doing since 2015 my other business which goes it runs side by side as well and so who are some of the players that have, have gone on to bigger and better things with that particular side yeah they have a lot from mainly i've placed a lot from the from India, Sri Lanka, those countries, not many from Australia yet. And uh, some of them have gone to the professional circuit. Some of them are doing really well in the professional careers right now after they finished their college. In terms of your coaching, do you sort of want to you know, take it forward and, and be like a, say, like a Todd Langman where you're doing it full time and you're going traveling around the world with, with like a Tanasi Kokonakis like he's oh, doing at the moment? Definitely. I mean, that's basically one of the main reasons we spend a lot of time on court, you know, and that is something we're trying to achieve. And I did started i've done two years in a row traveling for nationals now which is the first step now hopefully we'll get into the itf circuit with some of the players and never know i probably will be traveling with another tenasi and we'll be seen out there like langman never know and do you have a mentor as a coach as well oh, i got many i mean one of it is jason todd of course who is one at Titri gully who people who runs a club and i basically work out there He's one of my main mentors out there. And the other person is Paul Bacanello as well, who I, when I was working at Pembroke, he's been one of person also who's been helping me out reasonably. And yourself going forward from a singles playing perspective, you're going to keep playing for a while, you think? Yes, and definitely. Because if I won't be playing, I'll be kicked out of the house by my partner because she is probably one of the, one of the main reasons why I started playing after I turned 30. Because <laughs> I literally gave up and she said, you better get on there because you're good enough. Well, I think whether it's good or bad, I really enjoy it. And she enjoys watching it. So I will keep going as much as I can. Well, as I mentioned earlier, some of the accolades like your pennant player of the year and finals of the UTR Pro and all the other tournaments you're winning it. Sounds like you've still got quite a few years left in you, Ashman. I don't know. I'm going to take it. As I said, I'm going to take it one year at a time. But coaching is probably the priority first. As long as I can get to see my players also do well side by side, that'll also make me really, really happy. And when Australia play India in the cricket, I'm guessing you're back for India still? Yes. Even when I become a citizen, I'm going to still be back in India. Sorry. (laughs) No, no, no. I'm glad glad you said that because if I I ever moved overseas, I'd still back for Australia. So 
you know, it's oh, good, sure. to, good to yeah. see. You've got to be parochial with the country you're from. So I think that's one good idea. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's definitely going to be that. Grown up and always will be an Indian fan, no matter what, wherever I go. Well, Ashwin, thank you so much for joining us on the SA scene today, mate. So I really enjoyed the chat and keep up the Appreciate great work, not only with your coaching, but also your, your playing as well. And look forward to, to seeing where the journey leads you. Definitely. Thanks a lot for your time. Appreciate it. Great to catch up with Ashwin. Check out Tea Tree Gully Tennis Club at ttgtc.com.au. To Pauline Fielden, what a contribution to tennis she's made at the East Torrens Kensington Gardens Tennis Club for nearly seven decades. As a player, still going, and an unbelievable commitment to volunteering as a committee member in various roles, much loved and recently recognised in the Queen's Birthday Honour List, awarded a Medal of the Order of Australia. Pauline Jordan from the East Torrens Kensington Gardens Tennis Club. Welcome to the SAC and a big congratulations on the OAM. Thank you very much. What does it mean to you to be awarded this? Very honoured. Um, I'm very proud, but probably a little bit overwhelmed, I would think. But okay, it's happened and I'm very proud of it. And we spoke off air about it a little bit earlier. You were nominated by your daughter. That must be a pretty special, you know, to be nominated by someone that's so close to you. Yes. Probably very proud of everything I've done and knows how much I've done over the years. So it's probably the right person seeing it's two sports involved. And tell us about the process, how obviously you got nominated and then, you know, finding out that you'd actually won the award. Well, about six weeks ago that I received information from them saying that I had been nominated. And then about two weeks after prior to receiving it, they sent me a, a text message to say that I had been accepted. Actually... It was quite funny because I think I burst into tears, actually. I was just a bit overwhelmed, yeah. And who were the first people that you rang when you got the OAM? I'm not allowed to tell anybody. I only told my son the day before, and my husband knew. And then, because I had a big write-up in Adelaide Advertiser and a photo, people were contacting me, and then on that night, I was on Channel 9 with my family. A lot of people have been saying to me, oh, what do we bow to you? I said, no, I'm the same Pauline and I'll never change. (laughs) (laughs) And tell us about the the Pauline journey. 69 years of being involved, you know, within the the tennis fraternity and you've also been part of the netball club side of things with with contacts. Um, Explain your journey. My journey has been a lot of things that I've done for for the tennis club. I've organised juniors, I've been president, been on the committee for 24, Five years at one stage. I'm a life member. Um, I guess one of my accolades is playing Division One, and we won three premierships in Division One, which was really good. And you're still playing in your 80s as well. That just goes to show that you can play tennis for as long as you like. Oh, as long as your body lets you, you're able to go. And the one good thing about tennis is, you know, you only really, when you're young, you only need one person to have a game. It's a a sport that you can play with just two people. And what is it that you enjoy about tennis that's kept you involved for so long? The friendship and the the love of the game. But the friendship I've made from all the clubs that I've been in will probably last forever. And what have you noticed sort of in terms of change from when you started 60 plus years ago to now? The courts. We played on Black Bitumen when I first started. Now we have wonderful courts. We've got eight new courts at ETKG and their international court, coloured court. The young kids, um, the balls have changed. They are using all different balls. And the rackets have changed a lot. Yeah, that's about it, I think, that I can think of. And what's been some of the, the real sort of highs and lows? You, you mentioned before winning championships. Explain sort of a few more of the highs and lows throughout your career. I think 
came under the highest playing for South Australia in seniors tennis and winning there and then the premierships that you win along the way. I think the friendship's the most important thing. And you mentioned before a little chat we had off air about with the, the East Torrens Kensington Gardens Tennis Club, there's people that come from a long distance to actually be involved at your club, that must goes to show that it must be a very good club to be a part of. It is. We've always been a fairly big club. We have a lot of junior teams and because we have a very good junior coach, um, keeps the children around and a lot of our players are getting up in years but they're still happy to be part of the club. I think coaches make a big difference. And where do you see tennis at in South Australia at the moment? I think it's waning in a lot of areas. We're not, but I know in tennis seniors the numbers are down a lot, but nobody seems to be able to put a finger on why this is happening. I think with juniors getting less and less, less it's because they're being forced to play too much tennis, like 12 months of the year and training every night, and then they just finish because they've had enough, they're sick of it. So I think parents need to slow down and let them do what they want to do and at least have a go at another sport as well. That's great advice there. You do hear that burnout's a big thing. And, and, and do you sort of feel as though it's getting tougher now to try and get kids to play tennis with now with girls being able to play footy, of course, and, and the popularity of, of AFLW and, and women's footy in general? Do you feel that's another challenge with trying to get kids to play tennis too? Well, not so much the tennis because, you know, tennis is, is more a summer sport and football is a winter sport. I don't hear a lot of tennis players that are playing football, so I don't have that, that much of an effect on the tennis. You know, sometimes people are starting them at tennis at five years of age, and that's all right if they make it fun, but if they make it serious from that age. I mean, I've seen parents sit their children down after a match and talk to them for 15 or 20 minutes, and I'm thinking, what is that child thinking, and, and what is that parent saying? Should they be doing that sort of thing? They should be just letting them go out and do what they want to do. It's hard. It's too hard. Uh, sounds like you've, you've raised some really valid points there, Pauline. Well, a big congratulations once again on, on being awarded the Order of Australia Medal. It's so well deserved and, and congratulations again. And, you know, thank you for everything you've done within South Australia and keep up the great work. And it's really awesome to see that you're still involved and, and also still playing and, and best of luck for the future. Thank you very much. I, I really appreciate it. Well done, Pauline. Outstanding. Check out etkgtennis.org.au. We round out this episode with a sit-down chat with Peter Smith, an incredible coaching career, twice an Australian Coach of the Year, the first coach in history to have coached three Davis Cup coaches, John Fitzgerald, Lane Hewitt and Peter Carter, still coaching at the Peter Smith Tennis Academy in Adelaide. First of all, it's been a pretty long journey, I suppose. I think it must be getting close to about 50 years uh, this year. I wouldn't say that initially I had a passion for coaching, but uh, I had a passion for playing, and I came down from the country in year 12. I thought of nothing much else uh, than playing the game, uh, only to find out that a month or two into my year of having finished school, I got called up in the Army, put paid to the next four or five years. When you got called up to the Army, what sort of level were you at in terms of playing tennis? Well, I was only 17. In those days, I think people improved a, a little a little later, a little slower. I was the last late starter. I grew up at Strathalbyn in the country and uh, I never started playing until I was about 13 and a half. Came to Adelaide when I was 
16. So I played Div 1, number 1, which is a reasonably high domestic standard straight away. I'd like to think I improved a fair bit during year 12 when I was lucky enough to go to Adelaide High. I had the strongest schoolboys team virtually that anybody had ever known and uh, so that gave me an opportunity to work with some guys that were pretty handy players. The best was John James. People that know tennis in South Australia, uh, James and I became good friends and uh, we were about to tour the following year. Unfortunately for me, I got caught up and he didn't. But James, he went on to tour full time, finished up with a world uh, ranking of about 90 and the doubles ranking of about 30 odd. Wow. And, uh, and won two tournaments, uh, including the South Australian and actually beat Borg the only time he came out to the Australian Open. Yeah, so James is still coaching full-time in America. I played James about 10 or 15 times, and uh, he, he was always better than, than, the, than the rest of us here at that time. <laughs> Your time spent in the Army, what was that experience like? It turned out to be a non-experience from my point of view because I had no desire to, to head off to Vietnam or anywhere else for that matter. Finished up going to Teachers College, put the Army off for a year, that became two years, then three years, and then I did a degree course, four years, when I was just about to have to go, change of government, and didn't, didn't need to go, but unfortunately by then, uh, I'd lost enough time that uh, we, were, we were able to play sort of semi-professionally, but weren't allowed out of Australia, so that meant that we could play top-level domestic tennis, and uh, over the summer of tennis during the Christmas period, each state in those days had, a, had an ATP event, but that was all we could get to play. So. And was that sort of when you started getting that passion for coaching, when you when you, when you you learned that you weren't able to sort of leave Australia? Yeah, well, it was actually not so much a matter of choice that if you couldn't play professionally, that there was a need to, uh, to have some form of income. So when I went to teachers' college, I finished up teaching for 35 years. But I, at that stage, I had no intention of doing that. I, I was literally needing to do the university course that gave me an opportunity to defer the army for a period at least. I got to play some tennis. And the great Leighton Hewitt, obviously you, you coached him and we, we know his success. How did you first get to meet Leighton? He's younger than most of the best, better players I coached in the early days. So I'd like to think that Fitzy was, John Fitzgerald was perhaps the local player, the South Australian player, that gave players like Leighton the confidence that it was possible to become a world-class player. So there were quite a few excellent players. The Woodies, Roger Rashid, Peter Carter. We had a string of good players coming out out of that period. And with so with Leighton, all I recall is that it was probably a, a bit of fate, I'd like to think, that, uh, that Mr. and Mrs. Hewitt, when they decided that they'd like the kids to play tennis, that Jaslyn and Leighton went to Seaside because that was just around the corner. And the parents themselves started to play. They, Glenn was a footballer. Sherilyn was a runner, uh, but they started to play tennis and uh, just by chance, Steve Baldus and Louise Stacey were the, the number one tennis players in South Australia and semi-professionals. Fortunately, from my point of view, I coached both of them. So when Hewitt approached them to as to a bit of advice on who they should get, thankfully, they both said me and that's just that's, that's how it started. And it must make you extremely proud, proud knowing that you, you took Leighton to you know, number one in the world and going on to win some of the biggest Grand Slams we know. Pretty amazing achievement. His name obviously comes up in our conversations many times. I guess everyone that coaches seriously over a period of time has some desire or wish to coach some of the better players in the world, but to coach, have the opportunity to work with a guy who becomes the youngest and still is the youngest number one in the history of the game. It's been a, 
sensational experience. And, and you mentioned as well some of the others, the, the Woodies and the, the Fitzgeralds, and some big names there as well, and, and Roger Rashid, of course. Uh, what was it like coaching some of those guys? That was a really exciting period in a way. I was quite young by coaching standards in those days, but during that five to ten year period, we've reduced ten to fifteen world-class players, none of them as good as Leighton, but Fitzy, uh, Rod Dyke, uh, Peter Carter, who's sadly passed away in a car accident, but Carts was a good player himself, but more famous uh, these days for having coached Roger Federer. So, so it's been an, an interesting kind of ride. Leighton just turned out to be the best of all of them. When he was a young lad and he sort of had that, obviously when he had that ability, what was it like coaching him? And did you sort of have to be pretty patient with the, the way that he was in his early days? It might sound you know, like a like not a really straight, honest answer, but I, I've defended Leighton many times over the years, firstly by saying that from my personal perspective, I never never saw, not, not even once on the tennis court during any of our lessons or coaching or matches or whatever. I know he wasn't necessarily squeaky clean and he might have said a few things that, uh, over the years that he wished he didn't say, but from a personal perspective, I've never had a crossword or exchanged a crossword with him and uh, he was pretty much the perfect student. I mean, I knew him more and know him more as a shy, almost introverted kid. Only on the tennis court that you saw the fierce competitive competitive nature, which I think in 95% of the cases was perceived by most people to be a good thing. I guess the more competitive you are, the more you know, upset a few people on the way. He played with his heart in his sleeve, whether it was personally or that, you know, whether he was representing Australia, playing Grand Slams, whatever he did, he was always playing with so much spirit and, and determination. Late nothing was just hell-driven uh, to represent Australia and to play the best tennis he could play. Really failed to, to do that, I think. In, in terms of your coaching philosophy, Peter, how did you sort of go about coaching and how do you still go about coaching today? I don't think there's... Maybe I'm a little different to most coaches. So, I mean, having what turned out to be an advantage, I think, although I didn't appreciate it at the time, but having done a degree in, in teaching, probably against my wishes at the time, helpful. I had a fairly fanatical approach to trying to achieve... I don't like the word perfection, but whatever I set out to do. So that included tennis for most of my life, and I probably have a reputation for being a pretty hardcore guy on the court, just in terms of what's expected as far as effort or behaviour or commitment or motivation is concerned. And I think, I'd like to think that I had played some significant role in developing those characteristics with a lot of kids over the years. In addition to that, I think I've been probably pretty lucky that a number of pretty talented kids that we worked hard to, you know, to become the best tennis players that we could become. I guess most of those people remain good friends or became good friends and remain good friends today. And what is it you most enjoy about coaching? I don't see it as all that different to teaching in a way that thinking about it. When I stopped teaching in the last 15 years or so, just to coach uh, full-time, I think it was the kids that I missed from the school the most, which might sound weird to some teachers, especially with some of the problems that are occurring in education departments at the minute, just were so committed to becoming great tennis players. We had that strong common bond and strong interest. So having worked with a significant number of people in all sorts of uh, different circumstances, a lot with players with a disability as well, it's just a sense of achievement in how to comes out of, out of commitment and good teaching, I think. And finally, before I let you go, Pete, where do you see Australian tennis at the moment? Pleasing to note the number of uh, guys. I think it's approximately 10 and 6 or 8 women have qualified or straight in the main draw for Wimbledon. So that's the most we've had for the last 15 years or so. Obviously, Ash 
can't be any better than she was only six months ago. But she's clearly the absolute mega standout. I think tennis in Australia is doing okay in the sense that we've got, as I said, 10 or 15 guys, about half that for the girls, uh, that are world-class players. So hopefully some of those will break through uh, pretty shortly. Thanks so much for taking the time to have a chat and uh, reminiscing over, over your coaching career and you know, talking about Leighton and, and all the other great players that you've coached and certainly should be very proud of your achievements and I look forward to hopefully getting to meet you one day in person. No, it's been a pleasure, mate. So any, any time, uh, I'd be more than happy to talk. Great to catch up with Peter to get his insights. I hope you've enjoyed this edition of the SA Scene. If you'd like to recommend a guest to come on the show out of South Australia, drop us a line at thefirstservesen at gmail.com. Look forward to joining you next time for the SA Scene. The First Serve is your home of tennis at thefirstserve.com.au. Log on to find out all the details of our live radio show, other podcasts, read weekly features by our team of writers, and follow us on social media. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.